The Water Values Podcast, Session 26. Welcome to the Water Values Podcast. This is the podcast dedicated to water utilities, resources, treatment, reuse, and all things Now here's your host, Dave McGibson. Hello and welcome to another session of the Water Values Podcast. Thanks for joining me. Today we'll finish up our conversation with Allison Castaner and Heather Pohl of the San Francisco Public Utilities Commission about their rollout and implementation of AMI. Allison and Heather finished the interview strongly and discuss additional deployment issues and customer interface issues, as well as relaying a story about how people have already used the AMI system to track their water usage in, during California's drought. They provide a great conclusion of the interview, so enjoy the second half, and remember to stay tuned until the end for the disclaimer. With that said, let's get on with it. Open the valves, fasten your seatbelts, and here we go. In terms of choosing to deploy or how you chose the customers to deploy to first, was there any rhyme or reason, you know, what what protocol did you use to figure out, okay, we're going to we're going to deploy in this area first and then we're going to move on to area two and then so on. Um, not so much from a, from a customer revenue type perspective. I mean, I know some utilities start with like commercial meters um, because, you know, that's sort of the most bang for the buck. Um, you know, we, what we really did was, um, what we really did was just, you know, we planned a shorter deployment than some utilities do. We planned a two-year full deployment, and obviously that fell behind for um, for a lot of unexpected things in the field and some of these product delays and, and systems planning. But, you know, we we felt like it was more important to um, transition full routes over to meter reading um, because that really is part of the business case is, you know, um, not having to send staff out to a certain area. So we really followed our meter reading routes, but we did – if customers called and if customers were having billing issues and we told our customer service department as well, if you've got priority customers that you've been estimating for a while and we'd like to get them on the priority list or customers that call, we had some customers actually call and say, I'd really like to get, you know, an automated meter. Um, and so we did, we did do priority. Um, but, those, you know, those are not as easy because you have to take your contractors out of one part of the city and move them to, you know, one house in the middle of a block. <laughs> so obviously for efficiencies, you know, you, you kind of you really have to just knock them out geographically. Sure. So we picked certain areas at the beginning that we thought were harder to, might be harder from an RF perspective because, you know, we, we did scalability testing three times throughout the project for our data collectors to make sure it was, it was robust enough because you do a propagation study and you, you um, plan on where you're going to put your data collectors. And then, you know, you might have gaps, holes that you didn't realize you were going to have once you actually get meters installed and you aren't getting as many reads as you'd like. So you want to you wanna add to your data collection network or relocate. We actually relocated a couple data collectors uh, for various reasons. Um, poles got knocked down, you know. Right, and right. So, um, and so we, we lost them and we had to move them to other locations. But, you know, you're const- you are a little bit constantly tweaking your system. So we tried to pick some of the more difficult areas that we thought were would be an RF problem, and do those earlier on. We did do that so that we could we could see if our network was looking like it was going to be robust enough. Okay, and and what's what's kind of it looking like now? How's it functioning at present? Uh, it's it's functioning really well. We're like I said, our contractor is has finished with their installations actually last August, which is ninety five percent of the city, and I believe 
Uh, but 97, 98% of those customers that have the automating mirror install bear contractor are already being billed on the AMI system, and my account is available to those. Um, our next challenges will be the last 5%. Um, and where our read reception is, is right about where we thought it would be. Um, you know, we modeled about 98.5% of the reads we expect to get in every day, which is um, typical for other, from what other utilities have seen and, and what is, was, is pretty reasonable because, you know, we're going to have situations in San Francisco where we have meters. Most of our meters are actually out in the sidewalks and pits in front of homes. And we have a lot of cars that park up on, on sidewalks and things like that that might be covering the meter pit for half the day. Right. So, unfortunately, we won't get all of the transmissions, um, but we expect 98.5%. So, 98.5% um, of every hourly read for all 170-plus thousand meters out there. And I just actually checked yesterday, and we're at, like, 98.4 or something. So, we're... Um, we're very close to what we thought. You know, we, we actually did have to, you know, adjust our collection system from the beginning of the project, but not significantly. And, you know, it was, it was, it was very reasonable. So we're, we're very happy with the way it's performing, and now we're just getting flooded with all this data and trying to make sure we're making heads or tails with it and using it as best we can. Right. And what do you do when you, when you can't get the, the data transmissions? How do you, how do you bill for that? Manual, manual metering staff um, in-house, you know, we, we kept a percentage of them um, as planned originally, and part of that is QA, um, because you you really still need to get out to the field once a year to have a look at the field conditions and, um, you know, make sure that, um, you know, there's not tripping hazards and, and do a quality check. I mean, it, it's, it's recommended by AWWA that water utilities do a, do a quality assurance visit once a year. So we plan on keeping those, those meter readers on board for that. And then, you know, they'll be there for the opt-outs. They'll be there for, you know, problems. If, if we, I mean, you, you run into things that are unexpected. We found that, you know, the wire that connects our meter and our MTO, we have certain, you know, locations where we've got road that are eating the wire, <laughs> <laughs> you know, so, you know, we, we've got a couple ideas of how to deal with those and, and try to mitigate that, but you just don't expect it. So all of a sudden you just stop getting a read. So in those cases right now, we are, we are still sending the existing stuff that we have about manual meter readers uh, to collect those. Well, well, let's pivot a little bit and talk about the customer experience. Um, can you talk a little about, you know, the My Account portal and what, what's all included in that and, and the kind of data that the customers can see? Sure. Um, I'll take this one. <laughs> so what we did, um, you know, Heather talked a lot about the technology needs. When you go to automated meters, you get a lot of data. Um, we, we decided to challenge ourselves some more by integrating our billing system and that automated meter information so that we can get that information to our customers. So um, the, the great thing is we've, we've got a place that's um, really visually interesting that our customers can go, and they basically just sign up with their account number and a, a meter number so that we can verify their identify, identity. And uh, they can go online, and we've given them real-time data as to what the status of their um, you know, payment uh, against their bill is, what their most recent bill is, sort of a very very usual system for looking at, you know, a utility, you know, like a PG&E or some other bill, um, credit card bill. 
But we also were able to basically put in, we chose to put in some use graphs um, that are pretty visual um, about what your build use was. You know, we know that our billing data is always validated before we bill you, so it's a very consistent data set, um, and it's based on the automated meter reads, but it's a validated, verified, and already published sort of data set. So we put that up first um, so customers can see the last six months of their, you know, basically how much water they use based on their bills. And then we give them the option to go in a little bit deeper and look at their daily use. So um, when they when they go and they start manipulating the graphs, they can start to look at um, what, what is really the automated meter information that comes to us. Heather mentioned we get four reads a day, but what we do is we take one read a day, um, we do all of our validation checks, and we basically then provide it to the customer. Um, and again, we want to make sure that the information we're giving is, is accurate, so we do all those usual checks that we've done um, in order to ensure it is as accurate as possible. Um, and then they get to look, and they can pick different periods, but we'll show them off about the first week uh, since you know, to the date that they're looking at, today's date, and going back seven days, and they can see on a daily basis how many gallons of water per day they're using. Um, we also have a little mechanism in there that we've asked people you know, how many people live, if you're in a residential house or a um, multi-unit building, like an apartment building, how many people are in that um, building assigned to that meter account? And what that allows us to do is say, you know, if there's four people who live in your single-family house, and in San Francisco, a conserving uh, use is about 49 gallons per person per day, we can then take that, calculate it, and give them a little, what we call a green bar. It's a it just shows up as a green bar on the graph, and it tells you, are you above it, are you below it, how are you doing in, in a concert, you know, in, in, if you look at your household against this conserving number of 49 gallons per person per day. Um, and so then that just gives them, it's just an information point, and it really sort of triggers some inquiry and discussion, like where am I, you know, are we conserving, are we below that line, that's great. If not, where am I, where, you know, am I above it, et cetera. Um, the greatest thing I think we've seen is when you start to look at the daily numbers, um, you get a really interesting like, oh, what happened on Sunday? My use went up, you know, it doubled. Or, you know, what happened last week, Wednesday? What, what, what went on that day? And you see this pattern and you start to discover that, oh, Sunday's when you did laundry or Wednesday's when your outdoor irrigation uh, goes on automatically. And you start to have a much better connection to, you know, what your what your use number is and what actions are affecting it. So it's really a great, especially now when we're asking people to reduce use, it's a really great thing to be able to look at, you know, on a daily basis and, and try and figure out the mystery of, you know, well, I just use water and it, and it goes to my bill. Now you have a real connection to what it's being used for. Right. Have, uh, have you had any customer feedback on, you know, hey, I was checking my numbers and because, you know, usage spiked one day, I realized I was doing something inefficiently. Or have, Do you have any stories like that from customers? I have a great um, – I have a staff member who actually was showing, showing her own personal account to some other staff, and we did exactly that. We were like, hey, what happened? You had – you know, it seems like you use about 50 gallons per person per day, and then on that day you had 150. It was a really noticeable jump, and uh, she went back and – Sure enough, the um, irrigation, the automatic timer on the irrigation uh, system had was failing and wasn't working, 
and her husband had basically reset it manually and turned it on and forgotten about it. <laughs> and so when she figured that out, you know, obviously they were able to, you know, that by that point they had turned it off, but it was a very clear, like, that's what that quantity of use was, is that, you know, they'd gone to basically, you know, deal with a non-working automated, you know, irrigation timer and forgotten it. So... Hmm. What what other types of customer response have you have have you had to the system? I know it's been out for what about two months now at the time we're recording this, but um. yeah, um, I think people are really interested, and I think they're um, they're interested in more functionality. I mean, what we you know with this information, you start to ask, can we um, provide them alerts if there's unusual use? Can you um, you know sort of send me an email if my use is high? And those all, you know, or, or can I set my own alert to say, if I use more than this, email me or something. So we're looking at kind of that sort of functionality um, and just trying to make it, I think people would also be interested if they could, um, if they could get even more detail, like um, breaking it down in a, you know, probably less than a day. Um, but, you know, that all depends on the, the valid, validity of your data, and there's a lot of data processing that goes with that. So we're trying to make sure that we get what we have now out to the most customers we can um, and then sort of continue to make it a, you know, usable tool and, you know, modify and update and add functionality to it. Okay. Uh, well, let's, let's talk a little about the benefits to the utility. I'm sure these were part of the business case, but what, what are the benefits that uh, – you kind of expected to get out of the AMI system. Heather, you want to grab that one? Sure. Um, you know the. I mean, the business case. You know, was really there. There obviously there are operational savings with deploying, uh, with deploying the meter, the automated meters, as opposed to manual reading. That was a big part of our of our business case. And um, you know, the meters. Meter lives are typically 15 to 20 years, and you know having meters that aren't maintained and changed on a regular basis. This goes aside from automation, but but another big part of our business case was was um, we had meters that were not registering accurately. They were losing a lot of water. So again, um, you know that's revenue loss for us. That's um, you know which ultimately affects rates. And you know one customer who has an accurate meter you know, is paying for the customers that don't have accurate meters. So really getting a, getting on top of our, keeping our meter population accurate and current, you know, helps helps customers really pay for the water that's being used and helps, you know, minimize system losses um, for, for the utility and the customers. And, you know, from a utility perspective, we're really still, you know, and not just the PUC, I think other utilities, you know, we've been involved in forums and discussions with other utilities that have, you know, automated reads and all this data, and they're kind of like, what do we do with it all? I mean, a lot of utilities, the water utilities um, initially only, only were only getting two to four reads a day. Now we're starting to deploy hourly, and we've all got this hourly, and it's a lot of data to manage, and we're trying to think of other ways that we can use it to understand the way our system operates and, and minimize system losses and, you know, increase leak detection within our system, not just for our customers as well. Um, so those are definitely benefits that are not yet necessarily realized by us or other utilities, but that we're moving toward, and the vendors are moving toward as well as far as helping offering tools to us to help us 
to help us with this. Uh, we're looking at other ways we can use our, our network, and, and this is still sort of in the infancy as well in the industry, but we've got a fixed network up in San Francisco now. There, there's other things out there that can potentially communicate with the fixed network that we can that can bring information back to the utility. And those are discussions that are starting to happen in this, in this industry and, and that we're interested in and starting to be involved in as well. Okay, and you've got a you got a fairly small you know time period in which you've been uh, collecting all this data. Have the benefits been in line? You know, kind of with what you expected. Um, you know, absolutely, and we haven't you know we we haven't yet really finalized all of our all of our testing results. As I said, we're still really closing out the deployment of the project, but we kept five percent of the meters that we exchanged, five percent of the old meters. Um, that we took out of the ground, and we expected that we were losing about 3% of um, the water and the revenue and registration on those meters. And we've seen that and more. And, you know, a lot of our larger customers, um, you know, had had meters that were, that were and probably are still maybe um, not sized the way they should be. And so the, the AMI data helps us really understand how they use water because we're getting it so much more frequently. And do we have the right kind of meter application? And there's a lot of different, I mean, the industry has really just, um, you know, exploded with different kinds of new electronic metering technologies. And, you know, and when, when, um, when you change the application of, of, well, when you change the use at a certain site, you need to change, reevaluate the metering application. So we have a lot of like old warehouses that um, were on a turbine style meter, for example, that are designed for really high water use and not for low flow water use. And some of those are converted into lofts that, you know, we're missing a lot of registration on a lot of the low flows, all the toilet flushes that are going on. And so, Having the having the hourly data and really understanding what's going on at the sites and how how those meters are operating are going to help us make better decisions on um, meter applications. So that's definitely a utility benefit, and I see a customer benefit as well um, overall because really all the customers you know should be paying for the water they use. Okay, and uh, have you seen any benefits that you kind of didn't expect uh, in the short short time you've been looking at the data? Well. <laughs> I'd ask you this, Heather. Was um, my account, the online version of this, one of the original thoughts? It, it wasn't actually. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's that's a very good point. No, it wasn't. I mean, you know, we we knew that we wanted to use this data for leak detection, but no one really knew how. And, you know, we're really having real conversations about that now. And the first step, as Allison mentioned, is offering this to customers so that they can understand what's going on you know, day-to-day with their water use, especially if you're going to be asking them to potentially change those habits. Yeah, for us, I'd say it's been a a great, timely, beneficial sort of byproduct. I'm not sure it was, you know, providing customer, you know, data directly to the customers may not have been the very first on our list of priorities for why the utility did this, but it's certainly for us in the drought right now, it's, it's a tremendous resource to be able to give them that information. And, you know, last year, this time, we wouldn't have been able to do that. So, you know, for us, you know, even with the, the labor-intense time that we put into developing, you know, this integrated system, I think it's it's great. I think there are more things we can do with it for customers as well. Um, and, and we've at least started down that path of how to use it, both for us as a utility and as much for the user so they can be aware of what they're doing and maybe get some proactive notification 
you know, in the future. Yeah, I, I would just, yeah, I just imagine that is just a great tool to enhance uh, the customer experience and, and continue to keep water at the top of your customers' minds. I hope so. <laughs> I, I, hope it, I hope it does that because, you know, I, I talk to people all the time about the value of water and the fact that as utilities, we've built such a tremendous infrastructure, all of the public utilities that goes for the wastewater side as well. And unfortunately, in the generations that have evolved and in, in, in lived with this infrastructure, they lose a connection to what the value of it is when you don't when you don't grow up on a farm with a well that you have to rely on or, or maintain in order to get your water on a daily basis, um, you lose an understanding of how much it takes to actually get it to your tap every day. So you have the ability to take a shower or flush your toilet, you know, drink it from the tap, cook with it, um, et cetera. And, and these, you know, these, these public utilities are such a, you know, marvelous development of the urban, you know, urban setting but um, they're so hidden in a way, and that's it's just a it's a disadvantage for the public because unless you unless you spend the time to think about it, it's it's not very prominent, um, and it's honestly you know San Francisco gets their water from 167 miles across the state, and it's working 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and there's always people up you know basically planning for that water to be here, and you know it it, it takes. A, a large system that's elegantly engineered in order to make sure that happens for everybody here on a daily basis. And, you know, I hope that even this little piece of information starts people to think, you know, oh, there's a lot that goes into it and there's a lot, there's a connection between, you know, when my irrigation goes off or when I wash the laundry to how much I use. And they just start to think more about what they're doing with the water that's getting to them. Do you guys have any final thoughts on uh, on the AMI system you've deployed? Um, I think from from my perspective, um, I, I, and utilities listening, often you know I get asked to speak uh, as do a lot of the other utilities I've deployed on our experiences and lessons learned and these type of things, and um, I. I it can come off as intimidating, like it's a lot to chew off. And, you know, I look out in the audience and I see these, like, glazed eyes of these people that already have full-time jobs and are being asked to look into automation. And, you know, I have to stop and say, you know, hey, listen, this is a great thing to do. And I know it sounds daunting, but it's really doable. I mean, people are doing it. And, you, you know, there, there are contractors out there and these vendors, they know what they're doing. And if you build, you know, a good plan and a good team to support them, I mean, this is definitely doable. And the benefits as we've, that we've just talked about on this podcast this last half hour, I mean, the benefits, you know, far outweigh, <laughs> far outweigh, you know, yeah, it's, it sounds yeah, like it. You know, fearing of, fearing of just the daunting, you know, idea of, of going to each customer and, and you know, cutting off their water and installing this meter and changing the way you do business. I, I just don't want to – I don't want utilities to feel, um, to feel nervous that they can't accomplish that. Mm-hmm. And I think from, from my side on communications and really more public outreach, you know, certainly um, – it's a multidisciplinary um, activity to do something like this because if once you do convert over to automated meters, your 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 public your customers are probably going to want to be able to access that data, and you should be looking at how to get it to them, but to get it to them in an accurate way. And that's none of that is, you know, absolutely easy off the bat. But that discussion, you know, we had discussions here amongst 
customer service, communications and outreach, our water conservation department, um, our head of water uh, enterprise, um, as well as the technology IT department and, and Heather's program. Um, it just required a lot of discussions to make it the most viable tool and to really to get it out to our customers so that they can, you know, access some portion of it as well. Um, but it did require, you know, a bit of discussion and definitely technology. I mean, as we all know, technology requires um, people to work on it, to have an understanding, you know, this, the data has to be backed up. There has to be infrastructure in place for that um, data and all that technology to occur. And, you know, that can be sometimes a little intimidating if you're working on a a regular, a regular process. This is a new process that requires more support. Well, Allison and Heather, thank you again. You have been absolutely fantastic talking with us about AMI deployment and, and, and the issues surrounding the, the drought in California. For those folks who want to find out more about the, uh, the San Francisco Public Utilities Commission, where would you send them? Uh, sfwater.org. That's our main website. Okay. San Francisco water. All right. And it is uh, information about the AMI program on there? Or? It is, yes. Um, there's there's a link to it on the website, and I believe it's backslash water meters, but um, it's okay. also available um, through... Um, Allison, do you know what the link is directly to, to the website? Uh, for your, for the AMI meters? I think it's under customer service, but I, I believe it's sfwater.org backslash water meters. Terrific. Yeah. Well, again, thank you so much, Allison and Heather. Really appreciate it, and we'll talk to you soon. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Uh, you bet. Bye. <laughs> well, that was the second and final half of my interview with Allison Castema and Heather Pohl. And as you heard in Session 25, they were terrific. As with the first half of the interview, there were lots of takeaways here. I found the deployment strategy to be, to be very interesting. SFPUC generally deployed on a meter-reading route basis and made sure the deployment was substantially complete on that meter-reading route before moving on to the next deployment. It seems that the SFPUC used a, a logical strategy to ensure that the deployment went smoothly rather than simply deploying on a revenue generation basis where large meters would have been the focus of the AMI deployment. Another important takeaway was, take was the customer experience. You know, Allison did a great job talking about how SFPUC sets up their, set up their My Account portal to lead uh, to engagement with their customers. They use graphs and other visually interesting information to interact with their, with their customers. I think there's a lot of good lessons uh, there just about uh, customer interactions uh, between utilities and their customers. And, of course, the most important takeaway is that the benefits have corresponded to the expectations. There's no shortfall there. I think that SFPUC, SFPUC's success with AMI will lead to other utilities deploying AMI and realizing the numerous benefits, whether they be the customer engagement, the ability to identify leaks, to alert customers of leaks, to better understand how customers are using water, and many other benefits that come about from the improved and more abundant data that the utility has at its disposal with an AMI system. And if you haven't figured it out yet, I'm a big fan of AMI systems. Well, you can check out the show notes for this session at thewatervalues.com forward slash pod 26. And please don't be bashful in letting me know about what interested you about the interview by leaving a comment on the show notes or by emailing me at david at thewatervalues.com. You can also tweet at me at DTM1993, and don't forget to rate and review the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or, and other podcast directories, and don't forget to tell your friends and colleagues about the podcast. 
And also, make sure you sign up for the Water Values newsletter, which can be done at thewatervalues.com. In closing, please remember to keep the core message of the Water Values podcast in mind as you go about your daily business. Water is our most valuable resource, so please join me by going out into the world and acting like it. listening to the Water Values Podcast. Thank you for spending some of your day with my dad and me. Thank you for tuning into the disclaimer. I'm a lawyer licensed in Colorado and Indiana, and this podcast does not establish an attorney-client relationship with you or anyone else. And information in this podcast should not be considered legal advice. Further, this podcast is not a solicitation for professional employment. I'm just a lawyer who finds water issues interesting and who believes greater public education about water issues is necessary. And that includes enhancing my own education about water issues because no one knows everything about water. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you next week.